James 5, beginning in verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. As we've continued in this study about God and about His divine sovereignty and His divine providence, we began first by asking some simple questions about our personal understanding of God, and especially about His personal involvement in all of the many ordinary matters and events that take place in each of our lives each day. And we asked first, is God passive? Is God passive in His involvements with us? Yes, He's always observing, but is He actually engaged with us in our daily struggles and suffering? Or is He simply watching us from a distance, as the Bette Midler song tells us? And then from that distance, does He then just allow what would some at least would call the natural course of events to take place. The natural course of events. And only intervening if we ask Him in prayer. What are those natural courses of events? That expression flows so freely from our mouths. What are those natural courses of events? Are they, as we have asked in previous weeks, uncontrolled maverick molecules of trouble that just seem to float around us and then just happen to bump into us bringing us suffering of some kind? Or is God, as He observes us and our troubles and struggles, is He then much more up close and personal? Not watching from a distance, but always up close and personal, directly involved, in the circumstances, ready to come to help us at any moment, often without us even asking. Or thirdly, is God actually involved in our circumstances long before they ever arise? Perhaps even initiating some of those circumstances. And then with His Spirit working within our spirit, does He guide us towards the desired plans and purposes that's spoken about in Jeremiah 29.11 where he says, For I know the plans that I have for you. They are plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Are those difficulties, struggles, are they intentionally guiding us towards this plan and through this plan? And Last week we also said that God's involvement is most often expressed using two words. Sovereignty and providence. Sovereignty and providence. Sovereignty being God's position of authority and power who with His omniscient knowledge and His omnipotent power exercises complete and absolute control over everything that takes place both in the heavens and on the earth 
and from the greatest event to even the least. And divine providence then being the manner in which God carries all of that out. The manner in which He carries out His will. By His providence, it's said that God cares for and directs all things in the universe. He is sovereign over the universe as a whole, over the physical world, the affairs of nations, human destiny, human successes and failures, and the protection of His people. That definition is given by those who uh, are in the Arminian faith. And that's true. All of these are true. I agree with them. May I strongly add, though, in all of this consideration that for anyone, any one of us, anyone, to give credence to any kind of thought or idea that chance or fate is in some way involved in causing the occurrences that take place in our day. Let me say they are morally foolish and it borders on blasphemy. The ideas and concepts of chance and fate are simply a way in which the world, the flesh, and the devil deny God. And you and I must never join with them in their denial. I heard a speaker the other day define the word chance. He said the word chance simply is a measurement of possibilities. It in no way can cause anything to take place. And I agree with that. So the word chance is a legitimate word, but it has no causation, no ability to cause anything. It simply measures the possibility of something taking place. But the world, the flesh, and the devil, they use these words, chance and fate, in their denial of God. And you and I have to watch our vocabulary and make sure that we don't join with them even unknowingly. So then, with all of this as being some foundation for the understanding of sovereignty and providence, how do then His plans, God's plans and purposes fit into all these many ordinary and sometimes even extraordinary events and activities that take place in our personal lives each day? Now, may I say for myself, as it relates to these questions that I've been asking here, it is my own personal understanding and belief that God really is personally and intimately involved in every thought, plan, activity, and circumstance that takes place on the earth and especially within each of our personal lives. One scripture that would say that clearly is in Psalm 139 where we're told that God knows the thought that I'm thinking right now long before it ever comes to my lips. He knows every one of your thoughts every moment. That is intimate. And so I do believe that that He is personally and intimately involved in every thought, plan, activity and circumstance that takes place within each of our lives and long before any of those things actually take place. That God is the first cause. The first cause of all things that take place. And there is no such thing as a maverick molecule of any kind that's just floating around us that is not under God's control. Every molecule in existence is wholly under God's power and control and purpose. 
Notice I use the word purpose. He has a purpose for every molecule that exists. And it goes according to his purposes. Now, may I just give a common example, at least one for my own thinking. Our minds tend to give credence to those kinds of ideas. That there's some sort of source of power floating around us that has nothing to do with God. In conversations over my years, I've heard people say, I sure hope that this thing or that thing will take place. If I've engaged them and asked, what do you base your hope in? Too many times, too many times, they've responded with some vague form of answer that says, oh, nothing, I I just hope. I just hope that that thing will happen. Now their answer and their hope seems to depend on nothing more than this maverick molecule that we keep talking about. That some maverick molecule of goodness will just simply float by them and bump into them and give them the answer to their troubles and their suffering. That it will just happen to bring them the answer they need. So may I ask you, when you make statements like that, and this is what I meant a while ago when I said we have to watch the words that we say. Do you ever find yourself saying things like that? I have. I still do. I'll say I hope something will take place without the first thought of who am I hoping will get involved and cause that to take place. We keep, without knowing it, ascribing some force of nature to some kind of answer that will come to us. And so I urge you and me, as we use those kinds of words, I hope that our hope will be in the only one who can truly bring us what we're hoping for, and that is our sovereign God. And I'm convinced that when we begin to do that, that we're going to realize that God was involved in that difficulty that we're having long before we ever asking long before we ever started hoping. Here in our scripture text, uh, God is saying to you and me that in every matter of daily life, that we are to turn to Him first. We're to acknowledge Him first. These things that are mentioned here in our scripture verses, the suffering, the sickness. Do you know those are usually, or very often at least, things that most people seem to refer to as those natural courses of events or natural causes. You'll hear someone say, oh, I caught this virus that's going around my workplace. Or you might hear someone say, there was a driver who was texting and not watching where they were going and they ran a red light and they hit me. Or perhaps a drunk driver turned in front of my friend and caused a wreck that killed them both. What are we saying and what are they saying? Again, did those things just happen? Were those natural causes? Is it a natural cause that you and I catch a cold? That is such a common illness. Where did that cold come from? Is it a maverick molecule? 
that's floating around that no one has control over. These are thoughts that have to be had by you and me if we're going to truly get to know who our God is. Now, our Arminian brethren seem to always want to use this expression of God allows those things to happen. And I do agree that God does allow many, many things to take place. And especially having to do with our free will behavior. But in another sense, for God to only allow things to take place implies that they believe that He was not around when the thing first started. That He's a late arrival. That God is a late arrival to this difficulty that's taking place. And we'll often blame the world, the flesh, and the devil for these things. And I have done that often. And yes, they truly are ever and always involved. But again, think through with me, if you will, what we're saying. That implies that the world, the flesh, and the devil are some form of maverick molecules again that are able to do their evil things on their own and then causing God to have to run up behind them and play catch up so that He can fix what they caused to take place. As if God might have even been surprised by the whole thing. Now again, I do fully agree that free will has so much to do with many, perhaps most, all of our daily occurrences But the question that we're considering here is what about God? What is His role? If He is intimately involved in all these daily occurrences, how is He involved? And when did His providential hand first become involved? Was His hand there at the very inception of it? The first cause? Or as I mentioned a moment ago, did He get involved later? as so many people choose to believe, and then coming in after the fact as the cleanup crew, Romans 8.28, and working then all things together for good. I confess to you that I have misused that verse in that exact wrong way. Oh, well, God's going to come in and work it all together for good. What was I implying with my words? Now, as to this word sovereignty... Most all of the believers in most all church denominations do agree that God is sovereign. All of the denominations of the Christian church will agree that God is sovereign. But when we each begin to define those small details of the concept of sovereignty, that's where our thoughts then begin to differ. As I thought through this, I thought our federal government is supposed to be sovereign. And our understanding of sovereignty there is that they are able to make laws and carry out our constitutional laws to govern the activities and the behaviors of the citizens. And not only that, with our nation being sovereign, that no other nation can come across our borders and interfere in any manner with anything that's taking place here. And especially no foreign power can be allowed to invade our nation, to hurt our people and subvert our sovereign government as the terrorists are trying to do. Our police forces and our armies, they'll respond and protect us. That sovereignty is really patterned after 
what the formers of our Constitution intended for our nation. They looked at God's sovereignty and they formed our sovereignty here in our nation. But of course, the sovereignty of this or any nation cannot reach to the extent of what God's sovereignty is because God truly is absolute. Our nation wants to be absolute, but it can't be because, again, each person in office in our government redefines their whole idea of sovereignty. and So it gets reduced in its absoluteness. But God is absolute. And let me quote for you then these words from Isaiah 45 that I gave to us last week where he says, I am the Lord and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me, that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none besides me. I am the Lord and there is no other. I form light, he says, and I create darkness. And then he goes on to say, I make well-being and I create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. The point where we seem to go astray in our understanding of God's sovereignty is in our acceptance of this extent of absoluteness. It seems that the average human mind wants to soften and shave off the sharp edges of the severity of declarations such as this here in Isaiah 45. Even the most devout of believers seem to want to re-explain these words of God especially when these words sound so absolute. It reminds me of the way that news reporters gather to hear a presidential speech. They'll listen, but then they regather to themselves afterwards and they re-explain what the president said. And invariably, their re-explanation is very, very different from the first version, from the original version. They reinterpret and then they add in their opinions and the end result most often is very different from the original version. And that's what takes place with each of us as we read God's words and we consider all the matters within them and especially here in what we're talking about today, sovereignty and providence. We re-explain God's words of truth so that they better fit our idea of who we think God ought to be. As to sovereignty, the words that we've been given in these Scriptures really are very clear. And as simple as it sounds, we each have to make a choice. Do we believe these words to be truth, the absolute truth, or not? Those words that I just read in Isaiah 45, are they true? Is He absolutely sovereign? Is He God? If we choose not to believe those and all the other many words like them, then none of these concepts matter. None of these concepts matter. And either there is no God, or at least what we do is reduce Him down to being someone that is more like us than like Him. But if I do choose to believe these words of truth, 
then God does indeed prove to be sovereign. The world and everything in it was created by Him and for Him. We've been studying creation in our Sunday school class. When He put this world together, it was created by Him and for Him, for His purposes. And you and I really don't get to have a say in what God is doing with His purposes. Colossians 1, By Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things, by the way, those words there, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, within that is the demonic kingdom. They were created for His purposes. They don't operate outside of His control. We can't say the devil did this. God had nothing to do with it. I've heard those very words preached. It's wrong. God created these, every one of these. It says at the end of that verse, all things were created by Him and for Him. He is before all things and in Him all things hold together. That verse 17 there in Colossians 1 bespeaks the same thing that Hebrews says. It says that when God created everything, He not only created it, He holds it together. He sustains it moment by moment. That personal moment by moment involvement. One of the things that makes God trustworthy to be God is this truth. We can look at who He is in these verses. In that beginning when He created everything that He's talking about here in verse 16, by Him all things were created. There was no one else there. There was no one who would contend with Him. No world, the flesh, or the devil existed. There was no mother nature. There were no natural systems. There were no natural causes. All those phrases that we like to use. What was created was that which came out of the very imagination of God's own mind and then He spoke it into being. He was the first cause of that. And He is the first cause of everything that takes place. Each day, moment by moment, even now. He says there in Hebrews 1 that everything is held in order. It's kept in order by His all-powerful and righteous hand. God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. And He proved that by speaking everything into existence. You and I don't have to wonder if He is sovereign. All we have to do is look at existence and we can see that everything, all of those, all of those possible things that could, well, that we so often consider to be on their own, whether it be animals or people or angels or principalities, power or climate, weather. God created it and He sustains it each moment of each day for His own purposes. So then, with all of that being true, we really have no other course of belief than to accept that God's sovereignty really is total, absolute, complete in every way over people, over angels, over the systems of nature, 
over the weather, the climate, over sickness, talking about here in our scripture text, over sicknesses and suffering and on and on. It's not comfortable for us to want to ascribe the difficult things of life to God. It's so much better, so much easier for us to say, oh, He comes in and makes things right. And He does. But we really have a difficulty in believing that He in some way approved of the hurricanes that just came through the three earthquakes in Mexico over the last three or four weeks, the tornadoes that have just ravaged so many cities and even some up close here with us. But to deny that He is involved in those things is not scriptural. He is involved. We may not understand it, but you and I have to accept He is involved. Let me close with these two Scripture verses, ones I gave a moment ago. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, free will. For it is God who works in you, providence. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. And He says to us, I am the Lord, and there is no other. Besides me there is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none besides me. I am the Lord and there is no other. I form light and I create darkness. And I make well-being and I create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. Let's pray.